question that I do have to ask you is, um, I, you're a fashionable woman. I, I feel like Thanks. you set trends, you know? Well, I'm currently wearing flame socks and okay. leopard print well, jeans. Sometimes so setting trends. Questionable. Um, are you one of those people that has mm. bought a novelty mask for the pandemic? <laughs> I haven't got a novelty. I've got, I haven't actually. I'm very boring. I've got a tie dye one that a friend made. Right. So of... the answer is yes, but carry <laughs> no, on. No, it's <laughs> that is a novelty mask. A I'm tie-dye. supporting local businesses. No, James, I don't have a novelty mask. I just have a tie dye one. It's tie dye from plants. So she's made the dye. It's exceptional. People are so right. So that's novel. Creative. That's novelty on a whole another level. Yeah. So but the answer was great. yes. Like abs- okay, fine, yes. I've got that one, and then I've got one with letters all over it because I like words, uh, and right. I thought that was quite fun. So yes, That's again. It. So well, all no. your masks well, are no. novelty. No, I d- I disagree with that notion. I think novelty is where people have like the moustaches on their masks, or like a like a a woman wears a mask with like a sort of jowly man with a beard. That I would argue is novelty. Mine is just slightly in keeping with the rest of my outfit. Uh. Yeah, I mean, for me, novelty, it, it means the word Are novelty. You novelty. Well, I am actually, Lexi, because <laughs> the the definition of novelty is the quality of being new or unusual. And I would say I have not seen a tie dye mask yet. What, what are you talking about? That is Bristol is home of tie dye. I swear, that's a fact. <laughs> and I have not seen a single one. You've not been getting out much. Um, um, Lex, should we kick off? with the actual yes. what we're supposed to talk about yeah we we should That's we good. really really should so uh the season season two um is all about the battleground of the heart and all these uh the desires that we have in our hearts uh for different things so the premise is is that our hearts are designed for worship um and ultimately to worship god uh, but we have, I suppose, warped that reality um, and we have sought to worship created things rather than the creator. Uh, and so there's all these things that are competing for our worship uh, and producing unhelpful and wrong and sinful desires in our hearts that lead us away from God rather than towards God. And so we're going to talk about six of those things that so often trip us up in the Christian life and we end up making those the objects of our worship, dethroning God uh, and placing those things on the throne of our lives and on uh, the throne of our hearts. So, uh, so the six things, I think we should tell people what the six things are. Yeah, I think so. I think it's good to kind of know, know what it is that's, that's approaching. Yeah. Um, well, this first one, we're kicking it off with money. Episode one, money. Good. Episode Um, two, James, what is it? It's on sex, um, and Ooh. I, <laughs> I don't think I've oh, ever made that noise before. We're such teenagers. Oh gosh, I'm actually really excited to chat about it because, Good. again, it's it's a great thing to be discussing, it is. and I, I just can't wait to get into it and kind of see what the Bible says, what it is that Jesus says around the topic of sex. I can now. I've been practicing saying it Good. without doing the Miranda like. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, I really hope you guys appreciate the fact that I've practiced. I know. 
Uh, we should have a soundtrack for that one too. Um, pop your request. Oh, I've in. already got one planned. Okay, good. Don't you worry. We won't reveal Don't it. Don't you worry. Um, no. Episode three. Reputation. Ooh, this feels like a big one. Yes. Oh my goodness. When we said that we were coming in strong with this season, we we were not joking. They're quite they're quite meaty ones, aren't they? Yes. Money, sex, reputation. Goodness Good. me. Episode four is going to be on comfort. And mm-hmm. and the kind of pursuit of the good life. Yes, uh, it is. Episode five, Lex. Experience. Me, me, me. Good. <laughs> We're going to be chatting all about that. And then the final one, James, what are we going to be looking into? The final one is all about happiness. It just, well, it just so happens. It's almost as if it were planned. But all of these episodes, so whether it be money, sex, reputation, comfort, uh, experience, blah, blah, blah. These are sort of the things that I suppose the world tells us that we need to accrue in order to build our bank of happy. Yeah. Therefore, we kind of want to look into them individually and then I suppose all together under that title of happiness and explore what it actually is to be happy. How are we happy? What is it that makes us happy? Where should we look for happiness, etc.? So... Yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited. Locked and loaded. Locked and loaded. I'm pumped for it. Um, Money is what we're talking about today, Lexi. Um, And uh, it might be good to, you know, provide a bit of context and why we're talking about this. Well, let's be honest. I think... Well, we just money is just such a big part of life, isn't it? It's something that I feel often in Christian circles isn't spoken about, but not just Christian circles. In the UK, I think there is just an aversion to discussing money, partly because it's it's maybe a bit uncouth. Like if someone comes in and instantly announces salary and asks you about yours, like it's slightly off-putting to say the least. And I think there just is a slight grey area around money especially when it comes to church and and maybe that's come from mismanagement of funds maybe that's just come from an aversion to discussing it because of the context and the culture in which we live um and because of the fact that we interact with it every day it is therefore important that we discuss it and i think fundamentally and this is a fact guys i actually do have a real fact for once jesus spoke more about money than he did about sex and heaven and hell so yeah, if, if if Jesus puts so much focus on it and if he spends so much time speaking about it, warning of the dangers of it, we need to discuss it. We need to think about it. Yeah. And I suppose part of it, so we've kind of imbued it with a value. So money essentially is the capacity to obtain and I suppose like promote what you what you value and i think therein lies its hook right so it gives you that illusion of granting access to any and all things and therefore we kind of easily elevate it to this throne that should be reserved i mean going straight into the message that fundamentally should be reserved for the ultimate provider which which is god right who is the giver of all good things um and yeah like we were saying social media like you see money manifested in so many ways and i think because of all of those things coming together we have this place where money is a big deal we don't know how to speak about it and yet the bible actually does have a lot to say so how do we avoid being sucked into what feels like this kind of cycle or vortex in the west of work earn more buy more repeat um and and that's what it is that fundamentally i think we are going to get into when yeah. we open up the word yeah i think that's such an important point lexi like it's not about it's not a this is not a critique of making money uh, or earning money actually 
so much that you know so much requires money to be able to do good things in the world the church needs money charities need money the kingdom of god needs people with money to be able to buy buildings fund things fund projects so it's not about that it, but i think it's what drives that pursuit of it yes. and is it is it and are people finding their worth in in the numbers that they find in their bank balance and uh, so i think that's such an such a helpful and important insight yeah like the reason god gives his people money is so that we can use that money in a way to show that money is not our god um yeah. so so let's get into that shall we let's do it <laughs> hooray um well i think somewhere that i was i sort of went to immediately just because i knew that it was something that referenced money when we sort of were doing the planning was matthew 6 verses yeah. 19 to 21 um i actually went a little bit beyond that but we can come to that later um but matthew 6 19 to 21 says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot going on there. And I think firstly, it's kind of useful. I have a study Bible and it is useful <laughs> but i know i know um but it is really helpful because i usually don't use the study bible because it's so big i tend to use this little one that i carry around that's what i do that's what i do my devotionals with um mm. but because we were planning etc i thought let's whip out the the big boy um and so treasures interesting what is treasure when i think treasure i mean i think like pirates of the caribbean a chest full of gold uh, yeah i think of aladdin oh yeah great reference also a great film yeah there we go so treasure that's kind of what we think of when 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 we say it but here treasure i suppose translates more to this sort of idea of a of a storeroom so a place where you can put extra stuff so it doesn't necessarily just look like money it could also look like i don't know time energy yeah passion anything essentially that you give your resources to in the pursuit of joy so that is kind of essentially how we look at treasures here it doesn't just mean like your gold coins um and another misinterpretation i think of this passage it's not the contrast isn't on refrain from buying now because you're going to have so 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 much more then um i think the contrast here is treasures on earth which can rot versus treasures in heaven and heaven again interesting word didn't know this thank the lord for the study bible but it can be a stumbling block because i think us today use heaven maybe slightly differently correct me if i'm wrong james you are the genius on all these things but to people in first century bible times <laughs> um because heaven was sort of a first century way of saying god in many circumstances they often referred to heaven as we know it as being the age to come so quite often you'll see in the gospels uh it'll say the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god and they're kind of synonymous for one another so here where it says the kingdom of heaven it doesn't sort of just mean that place after death it means that place where god is and so the contrast that jesus is sort of putting here is that we shouldn't store up stuff that fundamentally passes and wastes away with with the passing of time but we should store those things in God, those treasures in that place where God exists. Therefore, it cannot be stripped away yeah. and, it, and it cannot be taken from us. Mm. But fundamentally, if you want to know what your treasure is, the best place to go is your bank and your diary. So if you go back to your bank account and you have a look at your transactions over the last month and then you flip on over 
if you've got an iPhone, double tap, switch over to the app for calendar and have a look at, at what you've been up to. That outlines what your treasure is. That's what you're passionate about. That is what you're spending your time and your money on. And this is a big thing because in prepping this, oh my goodness, has it revealed a lot that I need to address. And I think to be able to talk about these things, like I can't, I can't, you can't, we can't do it without actually taking a long, hard look at what it is we're doing because there's no way that we can say these things and then live unchanged by it. Mm. Um, I think, I think like you said in Matthew six, there's all of what you said was right. And so much of it is our understanding of what worth is and what treasure is and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, in another uh, part of the Bible in Ephesians, Paul talks about this idea of inheritance. And so obviously in our, in our, in our culture, in our world, we think of inheritance as inheriting money or objects or, you know, I don't know, the family heirlooms when someone dies and it comes and it has some kind of value. And and so Paul talks about inheritance as, as, as something of great worth, and yet it is altogether different than what the world thinks of inheritance. So in Ephesians chapter 1, which is probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, in one of my favorite books of the Bible, um... Paul talks about this inheritance. So in verse 13, it says, When you believed, you were marked in him or in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. And earlier on in the chapter, he talks about what this inheritance is, which is essentially, he calls it every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, and so our, our inheritance is that future promise where we will be one with Christ in perfect relationship with him, where we draw ultimate value and worth. We are joined to him. Uh, and that is our inheritance. And it, th- that is an incredible thing to be one with your maker, to be joined forever in this eternal, happy, joy filled relationship that will not break down, that won't ever disappoint. And so Paul kind of flips this idea of what worth and value is to say it's actually ultimate worth and value and treasure is in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is in him. So uh, so it's just really interesting, isn't it, how how different different writers and different people in the Bible talk about this idea of, of worth and treasure. But Jesus is, I think, is incredibly explicit, particularly in Matthew chapter 6, which is what you've talked about. Because even later on, in verse 24 of chapter 6 of Matthew, he then goes on to say, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he's just so explicit. He's like, you cannot serve both God and money. And it's like, there you go. The the judge's hammer is down there it's like you can't do it and so you try and you try and walk that line don't you of like honoring god and honoring god with your money but you so often get pulled between the two and jesus is really clear you can't worship god and money a hundred percent like jesus as as we were looking at in 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 all of the bits that we've kind of pulled out so far in matthew and in ephesians um even in, i mean it's in luke as well yeah there are so many places you can go to see that same message he's getting it at the heart of this whole money debate isn't he and he's asking like what is it you treasure like is it money is it stuff like come on is it is it actually a promotion is it is it more followers like what is it or or is it me um and that is a a big question that i think we 
we need to ask ourselves um because fundamentally i think we're so often caught in the middle between being like i want to love and serve jesus i want to go and do these things i want to bring his gospel to the nations but i also really want that new iphone like oh but i really i really want that that car um and i think like jesus doesn't say like you said he doesn't say it's wrong to serve god and money he says it's impossible um fundamentally his question is what what do you love does does money work for you or do you work for money and i think this was my initial response because quite often when someone says to me like do you worship God or money? My initial response is like, oh my goodness, but I need money. Like I've just moved to London. Do you not know how much I'm spending on bills and rent and travel and blah, 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 blah. And I can come up with a ridiculous list. And I think, isn't that so true of, of when we talk about money? Like there's often a sort of in that fear that's linked. But there's another passage in Luke, um, Luke 12, 32 to 34, if you want to read it. But it starts with, do not be afraid little flock for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom sell your possessions and give to charity make yourself money belts which do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven you can see the similarity there with obviously the section in matthew where no thief comes near nor moth destroys for where your treasure is there your heart will be also and like the first point is just so clear do not fear like that that's a commandment he commands us to not fear when it comes to money um not just to take one less thing off our minds but because in not fearing we're exhibiting an inner act of worship aren't we and i think in luke especially like it makes it so clear especially when it comes to the heart of god and the character of god because i mean firstly not being afraid shows that we treasure god as our shepherd he calls us little flock um and it kind of i mean relates back to psalm 23 when we when we talk about that whole idea of the lord is my shepherd i shall not want what is a shepherd fundamentally it's someone that knows the needs of its flock and that looks after it preserves it um, secondly, not being afraid, it shows that we treasure God as our father. Yeah. And in other words, a father, when we talk about a heavenly father, I know father relationships can be strained and obviously that's a difficult thing. But when we speak about God, our father, we speak about a father who really cares yeah. and who really knows what you need um, and who will work for you to ensure and to be sure that you have what you need. We need to be careful there to not think that what we want is what we need but um so we have god as, as our shepherd we have god as our father and then also in not being afraid it shows that w- that we treasure god as our king and that is a big thing okay because father like protective looks after kind loving shepherd sort of knowledgeable defensive all of these brilliant things to look after and protect but king like this idea of a king it brings with it such a tremendous element of power um and ability and provision um, so we've kind of got all of these amazing things that connotes power and sovereignty and protection, provision, love, tenderness. Um, and that is is just amazing when you look at that character of God. And that is why it is that he tells us we we don't need to fear because fundamentally, like all of those things that are examined in in in, in Matthew, like the birds, um, in the field who do not sow or reap or store away like are we not more valuable than them if we can see his provision in the world in the sort of natural creation why is it that we are so anxious i think it's when we put him back at the center of those things that that anxiety melts away and that we are able to not worry about tomorrow that we have freedom because we are seeking his kingdom we're sort of throwing our all into his works in this world so good um we're going to we're going to talk a little bit aren't we about how what we can do about this and the the kind of draw of money and wealth um that that 
that impact that it has on the heart and how we can remedy that so that we worship God with it. And I think that's the first that's the first thing to start with, which is um is to worship God and to put him in his right place. And there's probably one of my favourite bits of literature is written by a guy called Thomas Chalmers, which is called um the expulsive power of a new affection it's only 40 pages long um but it is just incredible and it talks about when you're faced with a new affection that is powerful then it replaces all those things that you would ordinarily focus on and it and so essentially what he's arguing is is that when you're captivated by a full vision of who jesus is then everything else just dissolves into meaninglessness. And so I suppose the first place that we want to start before we talk about stewarding money and being generous and how we work those things out is our worship should be defined by uh, who Jesus is, what he's done for us, the gospel, essentially. We should fill our eyes, fill our life with who Jesus is. And to be honest, at the end of every episode, we're probably going to come back to this key key theme, which is that the solution is always the gospel. The, the solution is always Jesus because he is more satisfying. He is more fulfilling. He is more beautiful than anything that this world can offer us. And the life that Jesus calls us to uh, is one of of giving ourselves wholly to him so the thing about money is is that often you hear people say oh well i've done my bit i'm sure you've heard that before you know when people are talking about say even coming up to christmas and people like to be a bit generous and they say oh i've done my bit i've given that money and jesus says no i don't just want a piece of your life i want it all he he's he is jealous for the whole of you Uh, and so uh that's such a powerful thing for us to to understand is is a, how we conduct ourselves in light of who God is and, and in light of who uh, he is, is that he wants us all. And the reason why that's um, understandable to us is that if, if, we, if God was someone who just sat on a lofty throne and ordered us around and told us to give our lives to him, it would feel like duty. It would feel like this headmaster telling us what to do. But what we see in the scriptures is is that this God gave everything of himself to us. So in Jesus coming to earth, living a perfect life, his ministry, the way that he interacts with people, the way that he raises people from the dead, shows compassion and mercy, the way he went to the cross and died in our place, took the sin of the world upon himself. Everything that he did was all about giving himself body, mind and soul towards us moving towards us and so that's the thing that motivates us right it's that it's it's seeing who jesus is clearly that motivates us to say do you know what i i am i am totally willing to give everything that i have because that's what you've done for me and there's actually a moment to just consider where you stand particularly when it comes to money and are you in a place where you say Actually, I'm just going to give you this little piece of it. I'm going to do by bit and I'm going to tithe this amount of money and I'm going to give this amount to charity. Or are you in a place where you say, God, whatever you ask me to do, that's what I'm going to 
do. But I think that, you know, I think in terms of how we approach specifically money, I think there are a few, there are a few things that that is worth considering and, and a few, a few ways of thinking about money that actually will help us to not worship it, but to, to use it for God. And I think the two things that come to mind is both in terms of a mindset and then out of that mindset, some specific actions. So the mindset of money or the mindset that I think helps our approach is is seeing it as a resource to fuel other things and to be generous with. So it, it's a gift that's been given. It's a resource that God has given us. We haven't earned it. And I think that's part of the challenges, isn't it? That we think that we've worked hard for this and therefore it's mine to choose what I do with it. But actually, instead, we need to view it as a resource that God has given us. He's given us the job. All good things come from him. And therefore, he's given us this money to then be generous with and to use it for other people. Um, and so when we approach it like that, rather than this is just something for myself, then I think that changes our perspective on, on what it is. And then I think, I think the second thing is, it is around generosity and a rhythm of giving that helps loosen the grip that we have on money that so easily we can hold it so tightly don't we and giving whether it particularly if it's giving to church but also to other people and uh to charities and what it just loosens the grip of it yeah i mean it is just a fact that the more the more you get the more you want but the more you give the less you want and i think that is a thing so often we wait to have a certain amount we wait for a threshold where it's like okay once i've got this then i will give but again like it's not it's not our money again it's that heart posture of like no we don't we don't we don't wait to give it's so much easier to start when we have nothing to give and it's in that recognizing that these things that we have they are a gift like james said yes we we go to work we work nine to five but we're in that job because god has put us there and he is allowing us to have that salary and it is our responsibility to to steward that well and to protect ourselves because money is it is so subtle the way in which it can weed itself in and convince us that we are doing things from a good place or a rational place whereas actually we're doing things from a place of fear or self-preservation um or whatever it, it may be so some big thoughts and we've kind of been here there and everywhere in terms of what what jesus has to say and what scripture has to say about our attitudes towards money the deception that money poses i suppose to our hearts um we've looked at a couple of more applicable habits i suppose that you could adopt in terms of um living generously uh in living a more simple life and stripping back those things um, and, and in focusing on, on spirituality, a.k.a. a life that is sort of saturated in God. Very good. Well, we look forward to, uh, to episode two. Do come back. Um, and um, if you have any thoughts, reflections, questions, do message us um, either on the social platforms the email address or even the postal address which you can find on our website over and out